Good morning. From what we've just heard, I'm going to split my session into two parts just quickly. One is to lead right into some of the key points and questions raised about how do I do this? HubSpot has done this, and how would I replicate that? How might I do the flywheel? Um, and then I'm going to switch into geek mode briefly to show you some examples of people who are doing it really well. Uh, so Pete Nichols, I run Hubdo. Uh, I live in the partner community. I'm a HubSpot partner, platinum partner, proud to be that, and operating roughly a third of my business here in Europe, a third in Asia Pacific, and a third in, uh, in the US. Uh, but a little bit different in that I support other partners rather than customers directly. So I get to work with a lot of partners and the challenges that they face in doing uh, exactly what's been raised in, in those questions. Now, the reason I've called this unified business is because, to me, this is what you need to become in order to embrace inbound and become an inbound organization. And I want to give you some examples because, in a little, little bit of a way, history is repeating here. We've seen a big bang of tech explosion. So when I started watching this, I was working for a small company you might have heard of called Cisco. Um, that's what brought me to the UK uh, 20 years ago. So my role was to help try and detangle some of the complexity that was happening in IT then. Um, the MarTech landscape, the sales tech landscape, the customer experience tech landscape on the left-hand side has gone from a few hundred startups to thousands. Conservatively, 7,000, probably more like 10 plus uh, of these. So HubSpot with the Connect program gives you a curated list of this. So you've got kind of a, a safer territory and great uh, applications um, like the um, NPS example earlier of uh, Ask Nicely. That's a great New Zealand company. They've got a really deep integration with HubSpot and works really well. But this is like a big bang. And so if you're in marketing or sales or any of the disciplines using tech, uh, it's become really confusing. Like it's, there are a lot of applications within the company, but who understands them all and how they all fit together? You can look at the Stackies Awards of how companies are mapping out the way these applications work together. And so what I'd say is to navigate your way through this, I'm going to share some ideas of things that I've seen work well for companies to navigate this themselves. Um, for the last 10 years, really, we've been talking about sales and marketing alignment uh, it's, so Dan Tyre, some of you know well from, from HubSpot, the whole marketing movement of how do you get sales and marketing working well together, where for sales, they want to see the leads. So could we put a goal on the, the marketing department of how many leads they're going to deliver so sales can make their quota? And the other side of the coin there is marketing saying, well, sales need to follow up these leads. So let's put an SLA on how quickly that could happen. So we've been moving these parts around to try and make two units operate far more functionally. The trouble is the whole chessboard, this game, the chessboard's gone. Kind of blind to the fact that customers took the whole chessboard away. We're trying to operate and set ways of measuring things, and yet the chessboard belongs to the customer now. Uh, we, we spoke uh, just briefly then about uh, how, it, how vital it is that your happy customers are really your marketing department now. But then when it's a managed WAN service and we say how to promote that, we kind of default into, well, we should put some more blogs together that we've written. You shouldn't be writing those blogs because we've already said that's not where it should come from because nobody's going to believe them anyway. 
It's about the whole community engaging that. So it's quite challenging. So I've put the, the picture of a knight up here because you can have a, a, a chess piece that moves in a coordinated way, two spaces, one space in a coordinated way. But if you take the board away, there's only one chess piece that you want to be, and that's the queen. Because it's the only piece that can move in any direction. It can see any opportunity. So to have a, a fast-running flywheel that is taking friction out of your business and all those things, how do you get to become a queen that can move that way. Now, this is a little scary because if you've been in the marketing area as an I-shaped person, not a T-shaped person, as Brian described, so you know marketing really well, but suddenly you're expected to know sales and customer service and all of these other disciplines. Do you want to become more T-shaped? How do you do that? A business that gets this right becomes almost unbeatable. Amazon was mentioned. Let's look at a couple of others. It's both scary and it's an opportunity because it's an opportunity. If you get this right, you can accelerate because a lot of other companies will struggle to change their behavior because they're stuck in their I-shaped silos. A Tesla looks like any other car. It does what a car does, but it doesn't have an exhaust pipe. It's taken a lot of years of engineering to do that, but now you see the auto industry scrambling to to uh, pick up the pace and, and compete there. So that's perhaps a B2C example. Um, B2B, if you're into launching satellites, then you've got what SpaceX has done in engineering the Falcon 9 rocket. It does a fantastic job. It's like the Amazon delivery of satellites. It'll go and put the satellite exactly where you want it to be, but then it turns around and lands itself. And it didn't happen overnight. A ton of work has happened into making that a fantastic customer experience. If you're launching satellites... Uh, you're putting it on a rocket that can carry twice the payload at a third of the cost. So if you're any other rocket company, how on earth do you compete with that? But that doesn't happen overnight, of course. There's a lot of engineering work has gone into having this queen. So I'd say both of these are like the picture of a queen. These companies can move after any opportunity that's in their field of vision and execute amazingly well. And it's scary to be a competitor to those. Uh, and Amazon... That didn't happen overnight either, but of course now it's, it's unstoppable and the customer experience is, is paramount. I want to share with you some human stories because uh, what, part of what brought me to the UK with uh, this company, Cisco, is that we spotted a massive big bang of technology that was happening at the time. Because we take it for granted today that we can speak on this device and we can see each other on this device and we can email on this device... But 20 years ago, that was not the case at all. You had a phone on a desk, a computer, nothing was connected. But as a technology company, we knew that everything was becoming software, the internet was changing everything, and so these technologies could converge in ways that were so much better for end users. On the left is Frank. Frank's an I-shaped person. Frank works in a 100-year-old industry, which is the telephony industry. So in telephony, Frank knows for his company how to install a new PABX system, how to scope all the wiring and all of the, um, the, the connections into the public switch telephone network to handle maximum peak load through the day, all of those things. And then around 15 years ago, Frank is going home to his wife because he's been in a meeting talking about the fit-out of the new office. And Frank's fearful because he didn't understand half of the conversation. Who can relate to that? If some maybe lived through some of that uh, experience, 
that was a really scary time for someone like Frank because he was held in high regard by his employer because he knew his technology really well. But when things converge, it gets confusing really fast. So Frank either had to go and work for another company that was going to stick with traditional PABX voice systems or become T-shaped and embrace the change to figure out that voice and video and data were going to converge. So at the time, we built an architecture for that. It was called AVID. It's an architecture for voice, video, and integrated data. And it was my job in the UK and Ireland to make sure that that happened successfully. We had 130 engineers, and we wanted to make sure that that new technology went to market really, really well. Uh, and it was all through a partner community. Actually, can I get a water? Sorry. Um, it was all through a partner community. So we had to take the partners that were like Frank as well. Thank you. We had to take um, the whole ecosystem through that change. So that, that's been done. It's, it's game over. If you're not doing unified communications these days, uh, then it's really hard to compete. So it was an opportunity and was a threat. Caroline's in the audience. I know we went through that, right, Caroline? Yeah, handling thousands of uh, partners in that space to take them through that change to do solution selling. The chap in the middle, let's call him Michael. There were a lot of Michaels that I was helping to take through another change because uh, Michael's a computing expert. He would put all the large computer systems into the server rooms of an office that held all the company's data and ERP systems and processing systems. And around 10 years ago, Michael went home to his wife because he was in a meeting where he didn't understand half the conversation because it was all about virtualization and unified fabrics and whole changes in storage architecture. And he was an I-shaped person in server technology. He knew Hewlett-Packard computers really, really well, Blade servers. I had to put, put a phone call into my colleagues over at Hewlett-Packard when I was in Asia-Pacific at the time uh, leading this change to say, I'm sorry, but we, we were friends with you yesterday and we're now enemies today because we're going after the unified computing market because all these technologies are converging. So I see a parallel there of where computing and these other technologies converged. So if you picture yourself as Michael, it's, it's a frightening place to be. You know something really, really well. Your whole kind of self-worth is built on how well you know your topic, and suddenly someone takes your chessboard away. So you either default to standard behavior of what you know and stick with a company that stays and plays it safe, but you know you can't stay there. You need to become T-shaped to go through that. Unified computing, and we started with unified communications. And this is why I'm calling this unified business, because I see sales and marketing and all of these parts are forcing change, and it's the customer that's forcing that change, and the software is enabling it. And HubSpot's in a fantastic position to be that platform to allow you to do that and add on applications to that. Let's talk about Angela on the right here. Angela's a marketing manager. Let's pretend these faces to her, her uh, next to her now as colleagues is that Frank is the sales manager now who has a quota to hit and is thumping the table to Angela to say, I'm not getting enough leads or the leads that you're getting me are not good enough. And in the centre is Michael who runs customer service and everybody's talking about the best possible leads are going to come from happy customers. So it's actually Michael, potentially, that they should be pounding the table and saying, where's my leads? Not Angela. 
But unless you can get out of the silos, you end up with that kind of dysfunctional way of operating. And I do see businesses, many businesses, that, that run this way because we know our core areas of expertise. What we need is all these people to become T-shaped so that they can sit around the table and agree on something. I don't want to align marketing and sales together if potentially I just create something that's even more dysfunctional because it's not aligned to any one thing. Put your hand up, please, if, if you could honestly say that if I went to your company and said, why does this company exist? What are you here to do? What's your contribution? Would I get the same answer from each person I talk to? Now, HubSpot, and, and that's why um, we align closely with HubSpot, as you can tell. We love the company because we believe what they believe. So for HubSpot, there's a very clear reason, is that that's to make the world more inbound so that business is more empathetic and, and more human and more personal, personable. So that aligns with what, what we like to do. So to become a unified business, the question came up with, Brian, how do I do the flywheel? if the centre of your hub is already really well-oiled and joined up and people are aiming to achieve the same mission in your company, great. But it's really hard to do if the centre is dysfunctional. So if that part's not working well, you might have to go there so that you can spin up your flywheel even better. Let me give you examples of how you might do that and some companies that are doing that. One way you can become a unified business is just go and buy one. Go and buy a franchise. Uh, the sales, the marketing, the customer service, it's all figured out already. Not everybody wants to become a franchise, but there's a business in a box. That's one way to do it. Let's say you don't want to become a franchise. Then you've got to come back to the core. Um, hopefully, most in the room are going to know uh, Simon Sinek and start with why. Because for over 10 years, we've heard the value of people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Apple computer, yeah, I'm a bit of an Apple geek because I believe what they believe. I like disrupting the status quo. But I like to lead people through it. Frank and Michael shouldn't be left without a job. They should be able to embrace the change. So start with, with why. Then move to the how because the how is going to really deliver that fantastic customer experience where no matter who in the company the customer touches, they're going to find that same sort of ethos um, because it's, this is how we do things around here, whether it's marketing or sales or service, they're going to have a similar experience with that how. Then you can look at the what, and you can really spin up the flywheel. So think of the why as the compass that you want everybody to align to. I can't align sales and marketing and customer service to each other unless I first can align them to one thing, and that's what is this company here to do? What's our purpose? Why deliver ma a managed WAN service, for example? It's not actually about the managed WAN service, right? It's, it's why and how you do that. So the Simon Sinek team, having done this hundreds of times, have said the best way that you can phrase your why is to blank, so that blank. So to whatever your contribution is, so that whatever your impact is going to be. Um, I've known, fortunately, through this exercise that my why, which is what Hubdo was built on. Is to give good business an unfair advantage. That's my why. It sounds a bit strange, but I like giving good business 
an unfair advantage. What is a good business? It's one that enriches the lives of everyone that it touches. So that it is ethical companies that support our future. So I feel that aligns really well with who HubSpot is, and so I feel it's a great company to be a partner with. This is where you want to get to if you can get your why so that everybody at your organisation knows why you exist. Then become T-shaped. So let's look at some ways, look at some ways to become T-shaped because it's so vital. Your organisation probably looks more like the wheel on the right as far as all the parts of the company that your customer might touch because they own the rule book now. So all of the people within that, you want to become T-shaped if possible. In reality, that's really hard to do to, out to every single individual, but the leadership team at least should become T-shaped. One of the ways that we fix that at Cisco for to become T-shaped, we take somebody, let's say, in direct sales um, into, say, um, BT, who didn't understand the channel, and we make them run the channel. It's poacher turn gatekeeper strategy. You give the job to somebody and they, they sure as heck uh, understand it pretty quickly. So to become T-shaped, to be able to see in 360, I'd recommend reading. Uh, in fact, I was thinking, Clue, after you know, today's session, we could put out a recommended reading list. If you're in sales, what are the books that you should be reading to understand more about marketing? It could be several of the books by um, Brian's friend, David Mim and Scott. I think uh, The New Rules of, of PR and Marketing are a great place to, uh, to start if you want to understand more marketing. Uh, he also has a, a book, New Rules of, of Sales and Service. If you're in B2B, The Challenger Sale and also The Challenger Customer, those are really good books that you can read. And on the customer service side, if you don't know that much about NPS, read The Ultimate Question by Fred Reichelt. Um, so there's ways, and just simply having common knowledge to get around the table and be able to plan. There's also a shortcut you can do. So I'm going to give you a little cheat here. Sarah will recognise this slide because I've borrowed this. You heard uh, Sarah had a question earlier from Tribal Impact. Um, fantastic company on the south coast here in the, in the UK. Tribal Impact maps your organisation, the individuals, into how comfortable they feel in social media and their ability to engage. And sure, you can get this is on the website as well, isn't it, Sarah? So if people are photographing, I think you could just grab it. Um, this is uh, to deliver on Sarah's why. So why does Tribal Impact exist? Tribal Impact exists to raise the voices of employees so that brands and companies can build true, genuine, human trust relationships with customers. That's Tribal's why. Aligns with ours, so we love working with Tribal. Um, here's an example of the impact that this can have. This is like a shortcut to prime the pump on becoming T-shaped because you can quickly get everybody involved in social selling and it really pays off. Uh, this example, uh, Hankel, that, that Sarah shared with me, this is a big exercise. This is 300 plus sales and marketing teams and over the course of the duration, how long did this run for, Sarah, this project? Uh, six months. Six months. So 12 million euros uh, worth of new pipeline. Um, two to four years is the norm for procurement and everybody getting on board to agree. Amazingly, that happens a whole lot faster when social selling has mobilised the whole company. And it was achieved in half the time that was expected. So becoming T-shaped, lots of reading, all of that, that sounds like it's a fairly slow-moving thing. If you look into social selling for your organisation, it can quickly get a lot of people on the same page and, and prime the pump.
and you'll be here in the break, Sarah, I guess, if people want to talk to you. So if the hub is really solid, then absolutely go to like ourflywheel.com. That's where you can get the flywheel tools that Brian was referencing from HubSpot, where you can identify how do we make a fantastic customer journey right around the uh, experience cycle and have the whole company together on that. I think that's really hard to do if the company's not operating as one. It tends to default back into usual behaviour with people just thinking in their silos and not thinking T-shaped. So there's some how-tos of things that, uh, that do, re look, uh, do work really well. Let's look at some companies that have got the, the um, good fortune to be working with globally that are doing this now. One in particular, because uh, I know we're already at 11 o'clock. Uh, so I'm going to share with you one which is uh, RentBridge in Dallas. So Heather and Michael Park run this. This is a HubSpot partner. If you look at the website, it looks like a lot of other HubSpot partners because it talks about inbound marketing and consulting and so forth. A lot of the websites do tend to look quite similar. This one's about to change, like, yeah, fortunately. Uh, to tell the true story, uh, which is their why. Their why is to transform the property management business so that the families and the people that work within that, because they're typically small businesses, is to replace the stress and the overwhelm and the exhaustion that they have on a day-to-day -day basis with getting more time and more profitability. That's what this company does. They do it on a HubSpot and a several other pieces of software. So I'll quickly show you what that's about. A property management company is like eight businesses in one because you've got to deal with rent collection and leasing, maintenance, inspections. But in every one of those, you've got the owners of the property and you've got the tenants and you're trying to keep everybody happy. So it is like eight businesses. So rather than zeroing in on the marketing side of what RentBridge does, RentBridge as an agency are absolutely thinking in 360 degrees. They help their customers turn into like the queen, the chess piece of being able to go after any, any opportunity. So I'm going to focus on the more the management um, side of property management, which is where if you create a great customer experience, you get delighted customers and they talk about you. And that's much more powerful than you talking about yourself in terms of marketing, is let's have people talking about you and how, how great this is. So the industry is in single-family rentals, so it's your typical couples and families uh, renting a property. Typical property management company has 900 properties under management, uh, 1,700 tenants. That means that each month it's a really busy place because you've got late rentals to collect, you've got leases expiring, coming due, uh, all of that. So the system that runs this is built on HubSpot and Pandadoc and several other pieces. So every time RentBridge brings on a new property management company, Hubdo provisions the software for them with HubSpot as part of our role. The system that Heather and Michael have built is ingenious. They have 18 years' experience in property management. So they've turned that into using HubSpot's deals and tickets and tasks to automate. Automate each of the processes in, in running a property management business. So without what RentBridge does, you've got four people managing hundreds of, of of properties and collections to be made and renewals. That's a lot of phone calls. 
that's a lot of human contact that's really expensive and difficult to scale. So they've mapped out there's so much engineering work has gone into creating a great customer experience and a very efficient process in each of these cycles. So this is just in the collections deal pipeline stages. You can see the work that's been going on. Behind the scenes, they've been taking the exhaust pipe off the Tesla or they've been landing the rockets because the work that's, been go that's gone in to make this a great product is, um, is significant. Just one thing that it does is a cash for keys program. So there's some automations in here. HubSpot using a couple of other plugins. So uh, one of those is Sales Message, which sends a text message, and also emails. This is the unfortunate situation where someone's going to be evicted, because the collections have tried and tried and tried to get the rent, and it's just it's never going to happen. So to keep the property owner happy, unfortunately, yeah, that property has to be vacated. But you want to do it in a as a humanly empathetic way as possible and one of the ways is using a cash for keys program because often what happens is uh, at the in, the in that situation is that the unit gets trashed and then they can't let it again it needs repair everybody loses in that situation so a text that an email goes out to say you're going to get this document pandadoc sends this document and we're going to hear from tyler about video uh, after the break this uh, is not your standard email. This is a document that has a video in it which plays and it explains the situation to the tenant about it's very, you know, it's very unfortunate that you're going to be having to leave the property, but we've got some good news for you. If you send your keys in, uh, we'll give you, I think it's $50 US currently, we'll give you cash for the keys. And so the, the tenants tend to opt into that. They get some money back for the keys, they leave quietly, the unit isn't trashed. It saves an enormous amount of time and angst and, and money just for that one simple thing. So this is an automated process, but because of the video, it's a very human process. It's video that can make the technology be human. Because it's HubSpot, there's dashboards that show the business all sorts of stages of, of how this automation is running through and uh, how many uh, of these situations are, are at which stage. Uh, let's look at the bottom line because it's about helping these businesses become more profitable and getting some time back. The labour that's involved, the cost of the Cash for Keys program, if we just sum up what that one thing out of the many parts of this system will do, it saves about $1,000 a day, which is pretty darn significant. If you were looking at, at a standard marketing agency trying to justify what they charge for their services, this changes the game completely because it actually makes the whole business more efficient. On the lease expiry and renewals, there's a process to go through on, on how do you handle that. So the system automatically sends some text messages, Zapier and some automation. Pandadoc is, is key here. Uh, if you've heard of Pandadoc, it's probably been because of uh, thinking of it as a proposal software tool. And that's a very narrow-minded, I-shaped person way to look at it. A T-shaped person looks at all the things that Pandadoc can do across the whole business. So here, Pandadoc sends a letter to the unit owner. Do you want to re-let your property? Yes or no? And then if yes, then it takes care of sending the letter to the tenants to say, do you want to renew your lease? This is the new lease. And it all happens automatically. It saves hundreds of phone calls based on whatever the owner chooses of whether they want to re-let it, the automations take care of the rest. Including sending out the Pandadoc to, 
close the loop. So that as well, there's another $109,000 worth of saving in that piece. You put all this together, uh, this is the chess piece. This is a queen. If you were a company that did marketing services for rental property management companies, would you want to go up against RentBridge? I mean, it's game over, right? They're, they're like a Tesla or a SpaceX uh, in their industry. Um, there's, just, there's so much good stuff in there. But the, the savings are end of the day of what they are aiming to do. And they're doing all that on HubSpot. So there's T-shaped expertise. There's HubSpot as a platform. Um, HubDo Cloud, which is our part, this is where the Pandadoc and other pieces come into play. We make that easy to plug that in. So every new property manager, we onboard for them. And then it's customized per client. I do have one uh, other quick example, but just based on time, I'll mention Myrna, who is also in the US, who focuses on travel, helping travel agencies because she believes that she can make the world a better place because travel helps to do that. Uh, so Myrna's why is on helping travel agencies and she's doing like what RentBridge have done, building a complete business system for travel agencies. Not just looking at marketing, looking at the sales, looking at customer service, right around to complete the customer experience so that travel agencies would be crazy uh, not to work with you, with, uh, with her. That's the end of what I wanted to cover with you. In the two parts, I've given you some ideas on, uh, I think, if, if you're not sure how you would apply a flywheel to your business because the hub doesn't seem that well-oiled today and that sales and marketing and customer service aren't all singing from the same hymn sheet, then align it to your why. I'd highly recommend that as an exercise. There's some great tools. Uh, in fact, Simon Sinek's website, there's a, uh, there's a set of tools that you can now use online to do a personal why, but there's also a book called Find Your Why, and that gives a company and a team the, uh, the methodology to find your why to align to. Um, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, because <laughs> um, I'm not a what was um, Brian's band is um, yeah Brian's going to be upstairs we're going to have a break yep. now thank you so much Pete for that really so much more okay. can I ask one favour no. just to help remember what you've learned from here because don't go back to marketing and start writing your own blogs please let's get back down here yep. at 11.30 one, one second yeah I want you to click with me just really briefly Taint what you do, it's the way that you do it. Taint what you do, it's the way that you do it. Taint what you do, it's the way that you do it. That's what gets results. That's the presentation in one.